Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. If you've got a question for me, go to clark.com slash ask. Coming up in just a few minutes, today's Clark Rageous Moment concerns a scam that is booming, and I don't want you to get burned by it. And coming up yet later, as we prepare for the July 4th holiday period, a lot of people who fly very infrequently will fly over the 4th of July. I want to make sure you don't get burned by all the junk fees that airlines slam your way at the airport. So I'm going to give you a little pep talk on that. Talk about something that seems so out of reach, and that is you becoming a millionaire. To so many people, that seems like something that would only happen if some rich relative died and left you money or you won a lottery. Both of those very long odds. So what about you, even on a modest income, being able to become a millionaire? Well, it can happen, and it does happen, and there's a report that the big financial house, Fidelity Investments, puts out I think they put it out four times a year and it's the profile of who becomes a millionaire solely from their employer-sponsored retirement plan their 401k fidelity is a huge player in the 401k market so it's fascinating how people become a millionaire in their 401ks and how do you do it on a moderate salary so There were two keys to what has actually, this isn't theoretical, this is what has actually made people millionaires in 401k plans administered by Fidelity. They have saved for 30 years in their employer 401k. 30 years or more. So that would mean that if you started working in your early 20s, and you stayed in a plan by your early 50s, you would be a millionaire in today's dollars because there's a look back just by participating regularly in the 401k. Now, this is the hard part. What percent of your pay, of an average person's pay, would you have to save to be able to, just from your 401k, become a millionaire in 30 years? 15%. You hear me always talk about save a dime of each dollar, and you do that through your working lifetime, you'll be a millionaire when you retire. But this is becoming a millionaire quicker, typically in your early 50s. And so 15% and do it all through the years will turn you into a millionaire based on not a theoretical return, what actually has happened over the last 30 years, including the massive 
financial bust we had following the banking scandals last decade when stocks collapsed and people still were able using that time period as part of 30 years they were still able to do that so it is up to you and me this is not in the story but i'll tell you something you need to know if you want to make sure you don't become a millionaire borrow from your 401k from time to time take out a loan i guarantee you that will demolish your ability to develop financial security in your 401k. Second thing, there was an item in the Wall Street Journal about what percent of people who have Roths available to them, Roth 401ks, do them. And crazily, almost nobody does the Roth 401k choice. Somewhere between 10 and 14% of people choose the Roth option. And big mistake, most people will benefit significantly more doing a Roth 401k than a regular, particularly in your time period in your career where you may be earning a more modest salary. Doing the Roth 401k option is vastly superior to doing the traditional 401k. Just so you know, that means that you put in money that's already been taxed into your 401k that's never taxed again versus getting pre-tax dollars in there where it and everything that your plan builds to over the years is all subject to tax. Jimmy joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jimmy. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? Great. Thank you, Jimmy. How can I be of service? I'm going to, uh, I'm in San Diego. I live in California. I decided to drive down to San Diego. I'm going to uh, Mexico for the first time to celebrate my 40th birthday because it's so close to San Diego. So Well, happy birthday. To, um, it's so close you. you can take what used to be called the Tijuana Trolley there. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a streetcar system that San Diego built originally with no federal money, and it goes all the way to where you can walk into Mexico. Nice. So are you, how um, far down actually, Baja are you thinking of going? You know, I'm not sure. I wanted to see some nice beaches. I'm a beach person. Um, so I'm, um, I guess whatever would get me to a decent beach, and I have my own car. Um, I was curious about, obviously, any recommendations, but um, one, whether I had to get any insurance, whether it's for my car or travel, and two, um, whether I can use my phone for GPS. Yeah, so let's deal with it part by part. So on the insurance, when you travel into Mexico, you've got to buy a Mexico policy, a Mexican okay. auto insurance policy, and the market is dominated in California by AAA. Are you okay. a AAA member by any chance? I'm not. All right, well, um, they are the main provider, but when you approach the border... There will be sellers all over the place at the border when you come down I-5 and you'll be able to buy Mexican insurance for that trip. You also can call your own insurer and see if they sell temporary use Mexican policies. Is that the better way to go? I, well, I would start there maybe and if they're like, uh, what are you talking about? Then you know. That that's not yeah. going to work, and you need to buy one of these temporary policies. How many days or weeks are you going to go 
to Mexico? Two, three, one to three the most. One to three weeks? One to three days. Oh, th- days. Oh, yeah. So you can just yeah. buy a one of the very short-term policies and okay. you should be fine. And I as far as... Online, go ahead. I saw some online. Would that be worth it if they seem reputable or better? I think that's fine. I think that's fine. It it would always be a good idea just to compare the premiums through AAA so you know whether or not the coverages and the premiums are equivalent to what AAA is quoting. And with, uh, with your insurer, they have right on their website, thank you, Kim, where you can add on a temporary Mexico policy. Oh, okay. Nice. So right, so you can just go on the website, sign into your account, and then buy that right away, right on there. Perfect. Thank you. That's excellent. All right. So on the GPS, are you on an iPhone or an Android? I'm on an iPhone. My girlfriend, who's going to be with me, has an Android. All right. So it's really easy on an Android. I can't answer the question for an iPhone because I'm just not... You're, you're an Android guy. That's yeah, right. I just don't know the iPhone uh, ecosystem, ecosystem, whatever you call it. So w- with an Android, you can go to Google Maps and you can store all the Mexican maps and in advance for wherever you're going to be on Baja and they're available to you for your entire trip, even if you have no cellular available. Oh, wow. Okay, excellent. And which uh, which cellular network are each of you on? I'm on Sprint, and she's on T-Mobile. Okay, so T-Mobile, she will be able to use her service in Mexico just as if she's in the United States at okay, no cost. Excellent. I mean, she'll be able to do everything high-speed internet, everything just like she has now on almost all T-Mobile plans. And uh, any, idea, any idea about me with Sprint? Um, I think with Sprint, because of what they hope is going to be a merger with T-Mobile, most of the policies mirror each other. Mm. And so I, w- I don't know for I a fact, but I would suspect that you would be able to use it in Mexico. And for just for other people's knowledge... AT&T customers usually can use, depending on what AT&T rate plan you're on, you can usually use your AT&T service in Mexico just as if you were in the United States also. Nice. Uh, Since she has has T-Mobile, does she even need to store maps in advance uh, for the GPS? Only because you don't know how reliable the cell service will be as you travel around. And that's a great advantage to storing those maps in advance. Have a great trip, and hopefully you'll never need that insurance. Mario's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mario. Hi, Clark. How are you? Doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. How are you? Great. So you're moving. That's the plan, yes, sir, within a month. And uh, well, my question is in regards to property management companies. Oh, (laughs) Uh, So I have no clue of how they work. I can give you a reference that uh, similar homes in our area are renting for around in between $2,200 to $2,800 per month. And Um, what's your home worth at this point, would you guess? 
Estimated value is around 430. Okay. Now I will tell you that unless you intend to round trip, come back and live in that home again, at uh-huh. a home value of that and a rent level of 22 to 2800 uh, from a strictly dollars and cents standpoint, it would be better to sell that home than it okay. would be to turn it into a rental because there's a simple back-of-the-envelope rule that real estate investors use that in order to make this make sense, your home would have to be worth about a quarter million. Okay. So basically the rent being about 1% of the value of the home but if there are reasons either you're having trouble selling it or you're not sure you want to go wherever you're going to go out of state Uh and you do choose to rent then um, hiring property managers is a bit hit or miss Uh, some are very good at it and others well not quite as much i've had actually good luck with an out-of-state property with a property manager. The usual arrangement varies by part of the country, even by city. Uh Uh, In some places in the country, the standard is when 50% of the first month's rent of a new tenant, and then usually 7 or 8% commission on each additional month's rent. Um, in In other places, it'll just be a flat 10% of the rent Mm -hmm. every month and so that does vary but that's uh as you talk to rental agencies in your area that is is kind of two ballparks that i hear fairly regularly the 50 and 7 and the 10 all the way through okay okay that's a lot lower than uh what i was quoted there was a specific rental uh a property management company which quoted me fifteen percent of the rent. So fifteen every month. So yeah. I mean, it's possible there's a local market where that's more customary, but okay. that would be a big chunk of change out of let's say you ended up at twenty five hundred a month. That's mm-hmm. a lot of money you're paying every month in commission once uh-huh. a tenant's already in there because you know they're going to bill you for all the extras too. You know, they're gonna, mm-hmm. every time they need to do a repair. They're not going to find the lowest price to do that repair. You're going to pay a super premium price for whatever repairs because they're having to handle them. So I would shop more around and uh, and see if you can find online what people say about that rental agency because when people are unhappy, they're pretty quick to post these days and check them out before you sign any contract with them. And I hope your move goes very well. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Today's Clark Rageous moment is like me piling on to the upset people have had with cryptocurrencies. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. We went through a, probably about a six month period that there was an obsession across the country with investing in crypto. Uh, things 
like the flagship brand Bitcoin and all the imitators, so many of which have gone to dust. But now I got to tell you what's worse than putting money into a cryptocurrency that loses you money. How about a cryptocurrency that is a phantom that actually is only the figment of somebody's imagination? According to the Guardian newspaper, that is the hot scam going on in cryptocurrencies that the crooks will use social media often as a way to tout that there's going to be an initial coin offering that you're going to make a fortune in. And often they will use pitches from celebrity spokespeople. They will pay some uh, semi-well-known or well-known actor to pitch the initial coin offering. They'll even have all kinds of pictures on social media about the tremendous wealth people have acquired from cryptocurrencies. And then people bite. They buy in. And what's happening so often with the fraudsters is there actually is no cryptocurrency. It's just a made-up thing. They just tout this, get your money, and then disappear in the night with people's money. There is no actual uh, creation of a new crypto coin, the issuing of a new crypto coin. It's just the issuing of a new con job, and you are the one being conned out of your money. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Glad to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where you get all the great deals. And let's say you found a great travel deal for the 4th of July holiday on Clark Deals. And you're all excited. You're going to the airport and you're getting ready to travel. And then all of a sudden, the airline hits you over the head with a 2 by 4 with a curveball junk fee. So the junk fee thing is an enormous problem for your joy about the trip you're taking and so dangerous for your wallet so i want you to know to be aware of the gotchas none worse than what the airlines do to you on baggage fees and so we have just put up on clark.com a guide for you on what the rules are for you carrying stuff on the plane And we have it for every regular airline, not commuter airlines, but every regular airline in the United States. And I want to take a second to uh, give a briefing on Allegiant, Frontier, and Spirit. Because with Allegiant, Frontier, and Spirit, you are not even allowed to bring on a carry-on for free. United now, on many of their fares, no longer allows you to bring a carry-on for free. So you got to know that that carry-on, depending on the airline, can cost you, at the last minute, 60 bucks, 75 bucks, 
even potentially maybe $100. So you need to be prepared with how you play this. Costco has just gotten in their latest micro carry-on if you're flying Spirit Frontier or Allegiant. It's $29, and it's designed to deal with the dimensions that they allow. In addition, a lot of people, when I fly on the three hard discounters or deep discounters, go with the backpack. But backpacks are not automatically okay. They've got to be of the dimensions, and depending on the gate agent, they may be measuring it, they may reject it, and follow this rule, always pack a black trash bag. I always do. So that if my micro carry-on is rejected on an airline that charges four carry-ons, I just put my stuff in the black trash bag and abandon my carry-on bag. I know that's weird, right? But I have a convertible carry-on bag that I've never had a problem with that converts into a regular-sized carry-on if I'm on an airline and I'm allowed to do it, or it zips closed into a micro-carry-on if I'm flying Allegiant Spirit or Frontier or I'm on a basic economy on United. Otherwise, we have airline-by-airline the bag size you're allowed to bring as a carry-on. Some airlines even have a specific size that's max for what they call your personal item. And I keep hearing at Gates this announcement that is obviously directed at half of travelers. A purse counts as a personal item. And so you can't have a purse separate from your little personal item, and your carry-on bag. And so just go look at the guide before you fly so you don't get burned on the baggage thing. Mary is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mary. How you doing? Hi. Good afternoon, Clark. I'm doing good, thanks. So I had a question for you about a purchase I want to make. Um, In about a month, I wanted to make a purchase that I'm anticipating will cost about $8,000. I only have one credit card, and it's an airline-related card, and I have been earning, um, I earn mileage with my purchases. And I just have to add that I actually had found out about this from listening to you online, and it's been a good experience because I have over 100,000 miles um, um, that I've, that I've accumulated, but the problem is I always have to pay the balance off before the due date because the interest is so high. Uh-huh. So That's true with, I think every airline card that exists, every mileage card has mm-hmm. extremely high interest rates for people who oh. don't pay the balance in full. Okay. Well, that doesn't make sense, actually. Um Luckily, I've always, you know, I've kept that in mind, and I, I use it for everything, all my purchases, groceries, and down the line, but I do pay it off. So I don't want to get caught in that cycle of, of charging $8,000 and not being able to pay it off. Um, the, sticky, the sticky part of the story is I actually uh, work a summer job at a camp, so I anticipate a large 
paycheck in two to three months, and that will help pay off my my total bill. I might be about $2,000 shy. But the timing's off because I wanted the money in one month, not in two to three. So I was thinking of opening a new card, and I was um, reading online some of the suggestions you had made. And I know that there's a couple that have promotions where it's 0%, 0% interest. One of them has 0% interest for 15 months. However, um, also listening to your advice, I decided to uh, freeze my credit. So my credit froze, and I didn't know if um, a couple things. I didn't know if I would have to unfreeze my credit at all three credit bureaus. And what you might think would be the best way to approach um, a loan of this type for, okay. for that time frame. All right. So uh, one thing I want to address first, I want you to have a second card anyway from a different oh, okay. issuer than whoever you have this airline card from because mm-hmm. you don't want to be caught with only a single credit card if that credit card company decides they're going to cut back your limit or they want to not have you as a customer anymore, and then you're left exposed with no access to credit. So the fact that you have a reason you need to get a second card makes me breathe easier because I want you to have a second card. Okay. Um, getting one of the ones that has uh, the interest-free period, those are usually for balance transfer. Have you seen one that allows you, when you first get the card, to be able to use it for a period of time interest-free? Or are you thinking um, of charging it to the first card and then balance transferring to the second card? No, because um, I don't have enough of a credit line. But um, there was one that I thought, if I read correctly, um, it had 15 months of no interest on purchases. If it does, that would be fine for you. Um, and the other thing I would say is, since you're not exactly sure how quickly you'll be able to pay off the 8000 I'd love it if you look at a credit union, because credit unions' regular interest rates on credit cards are generally about 40% less on average than the interest rate charged by banks on their credit cards. So you may be able to find an interest rate low enough that that would be a great second card for you to have and that way the balance you're running, yeah, you'd be paying interest on it, but it would be at a single-digit rate, likely, and it would work out as a card to have for the long term. And then again, you'd have that second form of credit, which I really want you to have. Mark is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mark. Hi, Clark. Uh, it's an honor to speak with you. Well, great to have you here, and you're shopping for a new vehicle. How's that That's been correct. so far? Uh, it's hectic. Hectic? It's, yeah, it's, it's tough dealing with the uh, the salesmen. They all, always have some kind of a promotion or something. Uh, one the promotion that I'm calling about is uh, I looked at a vehicle, and we were interested in uh, purchasing it, and the salesman offered to give us a discount off the sticker price, a, a very large discount, if we used the dealership financing. Uh, I had planned just to pay for it in cash, uh, but he said that he could give me up to four to six thousand dollars off if we signed up for their financing. And the strange thing that he told me was that uh, I could just pay it off after six months, and. Uh, 
then I could refinance with a, a credit union or just uh, I wouldn't have to continue to be or on you the could just Since you had cash, you could just pay it off. All right. So this is not unusual. Dealers make their money now in the finance department. That's where, uh, you know, trying to get you to buy those extended warranty things and getting you to finance with them and all that. So it's not a surprise that they would say, well, that price, you know, we're only going to do that for you if you finance here. So you got to look out for two things. One, you need to see the actual loan contract you'd be agreeing to. And you need to make sure that you, in fact, do have an ability to prepay without a prepayment penalty. And it's going to take you some time. You're going to have to really read that loan contract very closely. Um, The second thing is how they compute the interest. Often on dealer finance vehicles, there's a discriminatory form of calculation of interest that will be referred to as sum of digits or rule of 78s. And uh, you should write those terms down. I heard papers just crinkle. Yes. So they're important. Uh, I'll repeat them. Sum of digits or rule of 78s. So it will say in the contract, it'll state an interest rate, whatever it is, and then in how interest is calculated, instead of saying uh, daily interest or something like that, it will say interest is calculated using sum of digits or rule of 78s. And these are... Um, really sneaky, rotten, terrible methods of calculating interest that even if you pay off a loan early, it is heavily stacked, the interest for the entire loan in the front end. So the effective cost of interest is sky high, much higher than the stated rate of interest. Oh, I see. Similar to a mortgage where you pay more interest up front. No, this is worse than that. This is a this is a uh, more despicable method of calculating interest. So if their loan has some of digits or rule of seventy eights, or has a prepayment penalty, or does not have that waiver of prepayment at one hundred and eighty days, obviously any of those things you're out. Right, I understand. And another thing, you can go to other dealers that sell that brand and just email them. To their email, there'll be an email rep, and tell them, an online rep, you just tell them what vehicle you're interested in with what equipment, and you want a price quote from them. And all day long, they quote prices. Just make sure whatever price you're quoted includes all junk fees. Okay. And and then Um, you might not even have to go through these complications if what you're really trying to do is just pay cash for a vehicle, and don't say that to anybody till. You know, after you have a price agreement, uh, you you will know whether or not this price you've been offered that's so much better if you let them write the financing, if it really is the best deal you can find in the market or not. How many dealers are there within, let's say, um, 30 miles of you that sell the brand you're looking at? Well, there must be at least four or five because I went on uh, a internet site and that was supposed to tell me what the uh, proper 
price of the vehicle would be. And as soon as I put my contact information in there, I was called by uh, four or five different dealers. So uh, I have contact information for at least four of them. Uh, well, that's the perfect. Just email them. Say, this is what you want. What's their price on it? Bam. And maybe you don't have to go through jumping through the hoops that this place wants you to do. Michael's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? Hi, Clark. I'm just doing great. Uh, Hope you're doing well today, too. I am, thank you. And you have a question for me that puts a smile instantly on my face. Well, I'm always confused by looking at uh, my 401k and my, uh, my Roth and all my different investment accounts. And you always talk about the, the cost to, of how much the fund actually costs you to, to, to buy. Right. And I'm always, so I'm always curious, you know, where do they calculate that? Is that when you buy it, when you sell it? Is it a monthly charge? All right. That's a great question. So um, if you're dealing with um, an insurance company, or you're dealing with a full commission stockbroker, they will tend to charge you a fee up front and then a fee every month for being in the investments you're in. If you are dealing with with no commission mutual fund company or a discount broker, going into funds like in a Roth IRA will be commission-free and every month you pay a management fee and the management fee will vary from as little as zero now to tiny amounts of money to big percents of money that you're charged um, on a monthly basis but computed as an annual cost you know a percent annually so let me first start with your Roth IRA what kind of organization do you have your Roth at um, it's one that you never talk about. I mean, it's, uh, well, can I? Uh, yeah, go ahead and name them. I'll kill it so other people don't hear it. Uh, T. Rowe Price. Oh, uh, I'm not going to kill that because they're a great company. Yeah. Um, T. Rowe Price is not as inexpensive as some of the others, but they are an outstanding organization and a low-cost provider. There's no commission going into their stuff. And you'll have a very reasonable fee you're paying for them managing your money. And uh, your 401k, is it with a big company that would be familiar to people? or It is with uh, Fidelity. So it's, okay, uh, so that's fine to name sponsored. them. Fidelity is one of the biggest providers of 401k plans. And they offer a range of investment choices in their 401ks from things that are dirt, dirt cheap to those that are um, not expensive but a little bit more costly. In your plan with Fidelity, if you look at the target retirement funds, and I don't know if you've used those. That's what all my money is in right now. All right, so Fidelity has two types of target retirement funds. One is a target index retirement fund, and the other is a regular target fund. The target index choice is much lower cost for you to be in. In your 401k, there will be some management expenses for running the 401k that either your employer absorbs or are passed on to you. 
and your employer is who can disclose to you how they're handling that. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.